Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. As we are moving in, and I'm sorry uh, again about to let me sit this up here so I don't touch it because that will interrupt it. But anyways, thank you for being here this morning. You know, if you're here, it's because you had an appointment with God this morning. And it's not nothing that you can escape. Thank you, Lord. You know, and as we just finished up a series on perfect love, you know, it, it began, it, you know, it, that, was, that was a series that I had never had planned on doing, but it was just something about, hey, it's February, it's the love month, let's begin to, let's talk about love for a little bit, you know, and I pray that, you know, that if you didn't hear it, or if you've heard it, but you want to rehear it again, well, the good news is that it's uploaded as a, as a podcast. And you can go back and you can re-listen to it again and again and again because here's here's the truth of what this is. When somebody makes some food that's really good, don't you usually go back for seconds? Yeah. And then you'll go back you maybe the next day and you'll have leftovers again and you begin to do what? You feast all, all of that, you know, and we begin to do what a cow does. A cow has four stomachs. So it chews and chews and chews and then it moves on to the next stomach and then it begins to chew and to get everything out of it that it can there and then it moves all the way down until there's nothing left but waste. You see, but God wastes nothing. You see, in that cow, it wastes nothing as well. So, so we can't just hear the word one time because, you know, I've heard there's only a certain percentage of the word when you hear it on Sundays or Wednesdays or on YouTube that you only begin to retain just a small amount of that. And if you begin to go back and to listen to it again because, you know, God doesn't waste anything. He puts so much out there. He puts so much information out there. And, and this series that we're going to start today is in the very same reference because uh, this will probably be, this will be the longest series that I've done. And we'll be talking about keys to the kingdom. And, you know, and when I picked this picture out to, to create this picture, I had no idea that there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven keys there. So we're going to be talking about seven keys to, to the kingdom. And to, to build a little background here, if, if I could, for, for just a few moments, let me, let me go ahead and start my timer so that I can behave today. Um, it's 1040, so uh, I'm hoping by 10, 1130 we'll be done. Uh, I set my timer for 45 minutes. Please bear with me. I did give you a handout today, uh, and it's something that I've created to go along uh, with this series, and there'll be one each week. And, and if you want to take and begin to put that in a binder, or, I, or we can get you a binder, and we can begin to move that route. So some of the things that I have on this handout is, 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 um, is some of the key things that the Lord just really wants me to highlight on or it's something that you begin and continue to chew on while you're, um, while you're seeking Him throughout the week when you're separate from, from me. Uh, but today, I, I, I want to start with, with um, let, let's start here. Let's start this series out by defining what a key is what a key signifies 
and words that are very closely associated with these symbolisms. Okay, so as you'll find on your handout, there's some fill-ins, fill in the blanks here, and here's where you're going to kick in at. A key is something that associates power, authority, foundational, primary, fundamental, and priority. As I give you an opportunity to finish filling that out, because I know that's quite a few words to fill in there. The good thing is, is you can write this in your handwriting as fast as you want. And as long as you can read your own handwriting, somebody else doesn't specifically have to. But, but a key is associated with something that is a power. Because if I give you a key to my house, then what does that mean? I've given you permission, I've given you power to come in and, and to be in my home. If I give you a key to my car, then I have given you a power and an authority to drive my car, to take it and to be responsible with it. You see, and with that power be becomes what? There, there comes responsibility. You see, also another, another thing that a key is associated with is a foundation. You know, like, let's just look at this house, for example. You know, before the walls could go up, what had to take place? There had to be a foundation there. And the foundation is the very what? It's the very root of what everything else is based off of. You see, because like I said, they couldn't put the roof up there until they put a foundation there. You know, in a foundation, the bigger the building, the deeper the foundation must be. When they built, when they built uh, the tallest building in the world in Dubai, I want to say that they went 300 feet deep, 300 feet deep, 300 feet wide, and built a concrete rebar foundation. Because, like I said, the bigger the building, the bigger the foundation. So if, if we want to build that relationship with God, then we've got to what? We've got to, we got to be solid in our foundation. It also means it's the primary. It's, it's, the, it's the key thing. It's, it's, it's the, every, what everything is based off of. It's like a root word for something. You know, fundamentals. Fundamentals is, is going back to the what? To the basics. Going back to the basics, what everything is based off of. We've all learned this in school. Can you multiply and can you divide until you can do what? Add and subtract. See, these are basic. These are fundamentals. And in our walk with God and in these keys to the kingdom, we're not, we're not going to elevate. We're not going to begin to build the walls. We're not going to build a roof until we get the fundamentals of our foundation or our you know our fundamental our primary our basic walks with God and priority so so let's move on to the to the next one and your next fill in the blank this will be the I think this is probably your last fill in the blank you might have one or two more but other than that uh, I, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to be, be able to keep your attention here because if you write these things down then you'd be more prone to go back and to read them for yourself versus Pastor James speaking them to you. So the next thing that we have here is a key is something we use to unlock doors, a next level, 
and fulfilling a purpose-driven life. A key is something we use to unlock doors, we move to the next level, and fulfill a purpose-driven life. If I give you the key again, we go back to, to the basics of this. If I give you my key, you can then unlock my house. If I give you the key to my car, you can then unlock my car. You see, just to use for a little example, you know, uh, my father-in-law, which is here with us today, and thank you for being here, you know, but he was having a problem with getting his key to work in his car. You see, but he had no, there was no power source there. He had to get in the hood to be able to get the key, the power button, the, the fob, to work to unlock the car. And see, he had to go to the source of something, so, so he couldn't unlock his door without his key. So it was very important that, that we have a key. We will, we will not get out there and drive our cars unless we have a key. It might not be a physical key, it may be a fob which represents a key, but it, it, it is a must, it has to be given. So I, I want to open up, and, and there'll, there'll be a couple verses that I will open up the probably the remainder of this series with. And we're coming out of Isaiah chapter 33, verses 6. Isaiah 33 and 6. You can just write that down. You can relate to it again later. But here, here's what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, in that day... He will be your sure foundation. Now let's stop there. He'll be your what? He'll be your foundation. So in other words, He'll be the very thing that your relationship with Him, that your life with Him, and everything around you will be based off of this foundation. This will be the foundation. So again, we're talking about these key principles, these key fundamentals of our walk and our relationship with God. And he, and he continues with this. He said, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. So, so what, what do you do when you go to the store? The store has treasures in them. You know, we, you know, the Bible calls them treasures. We call them goods. You know, we call them groceries. You know, so, so we have to go to the store to get these things. You said, but, but he said that he would be your sure foundation. That means he's given us a what? He's given us a key he's given us a key so there is a key there is a key to this storehouse if we can call it that way and it said and the fear of the Lord will be your treasure when you begin to look up the word treasure the word treasure also means storehouse it will be your store and and, and I don't as much as I really want to talk about the fear of the Lord as much as I really want to talk about it that's another part of this series, but we got to get to these basic things first. Before we can multiply, we got to add and subtract. So, so instead of starting this series off with what we see as an obvious meaning for a key, I have been instructed to begin with using the word key in the reflection as a foundation or fundamental. The main source of scripture for the, uh, for the first few parts of this series will be coming from Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. And that, that may be in your handout, I'm not sure, but we'll get to that. But we will not roll into the sixth chapter until we have addressed Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 through 14. And, and Hebrews chapter 5 is this. 
So, so once you get wrote down where your where our scripture is being based off of, then I, I want your attention, I want your focus to to be here, and not me. And I say, let, let, before we move any further, let, let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you for how you have watched over us. You've kept us safe, Lord, that you woke us up this morning, Lord, that you blessed us with health and strength in our body. Lord, you clothed us, Lord, in our right mind. Lord, that you have been with us, Lord, every step of the way, Lord, as we have dwelled under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, as we come here, Lord, today, Lord, as we praise your name, Lord, as we have came to bring you a sacrifice of praise, Lord, we also come, Lord, Father, to be given a revelation. So, Lord, that we may be able to worship you in the way that you have desired to be worshipped. Lord, as we've, Lord, as I heard a young man speak this morning or say or, or, or put in these words, you know, that, the, that repentance will lead you to the heart of God. So, Lord, as, as we come, Lord, this morning, Lord, as we are repentful, Lord, not with words, but, Lord, with actions and with deeds. Lord, I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, that as this word goes forward, Lord, that it would no longer be my words, that it would no longer be me, but yet, Lord, that it would be your spirit speaking through me. Lord, help us, Lord, that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the church. Lord, open our ears, Lord. Help us to incline our ears, Lord, to hear the very things, Lord, that you so desire to speak to our hearts today. Lord, and if you desire to speak these things to our hearts, Lord, and if we will incline our ears to hear him, Father, Lord, it would be a revelation that would bring forth a transformation in our life. Lord, and that we would be changed and transformed into your likeness and your image. Help us to hear you today, Father. Give us the heart to receive the words that will be spoken. We praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go back into the book of Hebrews chapter 5, here, here's what the writer of Hebrews had to say. He said, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. And if we stop there for just a minute, you, was he talking about a physical hearing? He was talking about a spiritual hearing. You know, and sometimes we, we continue to hear the pastors or the speakers begin to speak and begin to bring forth scripture and begin to uh, bring forth the revelation that God has placed on our life and in their heart. But yet too often we're distracted with who's texting us or what's going on on the phone or who just walked in and out of the building. You see, but it, it's, it's not about what's going on around you. It says, have you, he said, be still and what? And know that I am God. So today we sit here and, and, and we are the very ones that have become spiritually dull in listening, in hearing what the Lord has to say to us. Let us continue here. He said, and you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basics. Now, let's just stop here again. He said the basics. Now, now, so, so as we begin to lay a title on this sermon today, the first part of this series is, is called Foundations 101. And next week will be Foundations 102. And then next week will be Foundations 103. So the first three parts of this series are going to be based out of three verses. Out of three verses. But he said, we have to go back to the basics. You know, he said that by this time, you should be teaching others already. 
You know, how many of us, we, is, it, does somebody have to come and tell you how to drive a truck again? Does somebody have to tell you how, why? Because you've done it, you've practiced it. Does somebody have to teach you how to load lumber on a truck, how to put the tarp on a truck? Does somebody tell you, have to tell you how to count your till? Does somebody have to tell you how to begin to draw the things that you draw on the computer or begin to repair the radios that you're working on? Why? You don't because you have already been to school. You have already learned the, learned the fundamentals of these things. But yet, here the writer of Hebrews is speaking in such a way that, hey, that this is so much more beyond the physical. This is a spiritual sense. This is a spiritual taking. You see, we got to understand that when we stand before God, we're not going to stand before God physically. We're going to stand before God spiritually. And we'll be standing Him, standing there before Him in the very way in which the, he created us he created us spirit because he breathed at the beginning he did what he breathed he breathed into man he placed his spirit there so when we stand before God we'll be standing before him in a way that he that we were supposed to be created so when we stand before God we're going to know all of our wrongs we're going to immediately know when the things that we did were wrong and that we're right and then the very calling that he's placed upon our life we're going to know it's going to be without a doubt it's not going to be a confusion well i didn't know that i was called to preach i didn't know that i was I, you're going to know because because why because all will be revealed when we stand before god truth is there truth takes over truth is divine so we're going to we're going to know all these things there's going to be nothing hidden there's going to be no confusion there we're going to stand before god in such a manner he said, and you are like babes who need milk and cannot eat solid food. We've all had, well, not all of us have had kids. One day when y'all get married, you'll have kids. But, you know, we've all had kids. And, and what, is, what does the baby want? Can you go in there and, man, can you grill him up a steak and him begin to eat it? But he begins to do what? You begin to feed him what? Milk. Milk. And then he moves on to the solids. You see, I've, I've heard this example, and it, and it may be, seem to be a little derogatory to some people, but I'm just going to say it because it paints the picture for you. How many 20-year-olds do you see still nursing off of their mom? You don't. Why? Because it was never meant to be that way. So why do we have so many 20-year-old Christians? I ain't talking about 20-year-old, but, but people that have been saved for 20 years still wearing diapers in the church it's because they're what they're dull of hearing and, and and the writer of hebrews said that by this time you should be teaching others so by the time you're 20 years old 25 years old you're at the point where you're the, the appropriate age to be raising kids for yourself so why are you still feasting off of mom and dad you see, and if we begin to look at this in a spiritual stance, you see, it, here's, here's the whole purpose and the meaning of that is God is always calling us to deeper. He's always calling us to more. So why aren't we doing more? You know, I asked the question here. There was a few of us here a couple weeks ago, but I asked the question is, is how many of us are comfortable in our relationship with God? 
How many of us are comfortable in our relationship with God? And if you're, and it's a rhetorical question because I don't want you to answer because you know the answer and God knows the answer. But the reality here is that if you're comfortable in your walk with God, then that's all you'll ever get. That's all you'll ever get. If you're fine with making minimum wage and you don't ever want to do anything to advance yourself, when then that's all you'll ever make is minimum wage. You see, promotion promotions aren't given. Promotions are earned. You know, I've said this and I'll continue to say it and, until the Lord calls me home, is that salvation's free. Salvation is a free gift to everyone. It's free. But the anointing upon your life is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to be separated. He said, I've called you out amongst the world to be separated. He's called us all out. So if He's called us all out to be separated, then that means He's calling us to deeper. He's calling us to more. So why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we doing more? I ain't even got to the main part of my lesson here today, but I, I, I need to move right on along here. And He said, and you know... Um, Okay, I'm sorry, verse 13. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know what is right. I don't think there's much more emphasis that just really needs to be placed off of something that's just so it is self-explanatory. But solid food is for those who are mature. You know, last week did, did we not talk about, you know, with the young rich ruler. You know, he's, you know, Jesus said, you know, well, you know, do this, you know, uh, honor your father and your mother. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not, you know, covet your neighbor's wife or covet your neighbor. And, and the young rich ruler said, I've done all of this from my youth up. But Jesus continued what, with what? He said, if you want to be mature, when you begin to look at the word, the Greek word for mature is teleos. Teleos means mature, lacking nothing. Filling in that missing ingredient. If you want to be mature. So he said for, for solid food is for those who are mature. So again, we, you know, that baby's not going to eat a steak when it's born. But by the time it moves on and it begins to develop teeth, it's moving into a process. It's moving into a process into where it's becoming mature and it can begin to handle those things. He said, for, 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 for through training, have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. What is that? In essence, that just you have discernment. You know, my, my father, you know, not to put him on a pedestal, but just I've heard him say this so many times is, can you tell the difference between what's right and what's almost right? You see, that's discernment. You see, when we go back to, to the garden and we look at Eve, you know, she couldn't tell the difference between what was right and what's almost right. You want me to tell you why? Because all she had was communicated knowledge. She didn't, she didn't have revealed knowledge. Because why? Because that was spoken to Adam. So when you begin to look at it, Eve was deceived and Adam was disobedient. Because Adam had been told by God himself. You see, how many times have God spoken to us and said, hey, do this do that, don't do this, or don't do that. We're all guilty of that. That He has spoken to us and that we may or may have not listened. 
You know, but see, that, that repentance brings us back to the heart of God. And we're going to begin to, to speak about that here today. So, you, you know, um, I'll, sometimes I get a little bit ahead of my notes. But as we move into our actual scripture for today, our actual scripture, and this will be our scripture for the next couple of weeks. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 but I want you to look at the very first word, the very first word in that sentence in verse 1. What does it say? So. Well, so, so, or so, or some, some translations may say, therefore, I've never written a book, I'm working on writing a book, and I've read some books, but I've never seen nobody start a chapter saying so, or therefore. So, so what does that mean? is that the thing that was being spoken in chapter 5 is transitioning over to chapter 6. You see, that's why I don't read my Bible from chapter to chapter. I read my Bible from Revelation to Revelation. Not as in Revelation at the back of the book, but I read my Bible in such a manner that we're going from topic to topic, from speaking about this until that whole thing is spoken about until it starts another. So I, I'm not a chapter to chapter reader. And, and if so, if you'll notice this very same thing is taking place here. So as we read verse one, so, so if we just stop for just a moment, and if we think about Hebrews chapter five, was he not talking about being mature and covering the bases and covering the basics, the fundamentals, excuse me, the foundations, the foundations of our walk with Christ. So let us, let's continue to read here. Excuse me for a second. So I'm going to read the end of Hebrews 5, and then I'm going to move on into chapter 6, so we can leave the slide where it is. And, and here's what it says. So if we begin to read the whole thought process right here, here's what the writers of Hebrews are saying. It said, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babes who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So again, we're seeing a call to maturity. God is calling us to more. And ladies and gentlemen, these are the foundations of Christianity. These are the foundations of what Christ taught when He was here. These are the foundations from the very beginning of the Word. You notice I didn't say the world. I said from the very beginning of the Word. Because in the beginning was what? Was the Word. The Word was God and the Word was with God. So if anybody wants to know when was the beginning? The Word the word it wasn't the dinosaurs it wasn't the the neanderthals or the came it was none of that it was the word the word was the very beginning there's you a revelation there's you a little nugget to take with you and to chew on uh after you eat lunch today somewhere 
But he said, but let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Because he said that by, by this time you should already be teachers. So what is he doing? He's taking a step back. Alright, let me show you how to let me show you how to add again. Let me show you how to subtract again. You know, that seems to be a common thing, you know, as I raised my girls was uh, multiplications was a hard thing to understand, but unless you had the basics of addition, the multiplication does seem to be difficult. See, because you, you, you we <coughs> we all understand multiplying and, and subtracting and dividing because we've done it for so long. So, so what does that put us at? That puts us in a place where we can teach others as well. Now, when it comes to geometry, well, sometimes we got to go back to algebra. <laughs> we got to go back to some of the basic things before that. So, so, so as, as God is calling us to more, as He's calling us to advance further and further and deeper and deeper into Him, then we've got to come back to these, this foundation right here, this very foundation. You see, you know, even Paul spoke about this. He said that no man can build upon anything that we have already laid. And Jesus Christ is what? He's the chief cornerstone. So nothing else can be based off of our walk with God unless it's what? Through Christ Jesus. Everything must go through the cross. Yes. Must go through the cross. So he continues on to say this. He said, let us go on instead and become mature and I understand. And surely we don't need to start again with the what? The fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. So if we begin to look at this, now we're already beginning to see the ground that we're going to begin to break about these foundational things. You know, these are a lot of things that we don't hear spoken about in church no more, you know. I can't remember the last time I can't I say I can't remember the last time that I went to church, but man, I go to church every Sunday and church just happens to be here. I take church with me everywhere I go. Church is not the four walls, but in reference to a four walls, how many times well, when's the last time you remember going to church and they spoke about repentance? They preached about repentance. When was the last time they talked about faith towards God? When did they talk about the baptisms? We're talking about a water baptism and we're talking about a baptism of the Holy Spirit and with fire. The laying on of hands. You don't see nobody gathering around at the altars no more. And eternal judgment? I mean, why aren't these things spoken about? You know, I've come to a realization that people don't talk about things they don't understand. But here's the reality. That by this time, you should be teaching others. But yet, you're having to be taught again. How can you teach others when you're not understanding this foundation here? You can't. You can't teach, you can't move forward in your walk with God unless you've got this right here. And I know, I know I'm spending a lot of time and I know I'm exercising this a lot, but what I want to do, here's what, here's what the Lord's told me about this series. He said, take your time. Take your time. Don't rush it. If it moves to more than seven parts, 
then it moves more to seven parts. It, I, I don't have a plan. My plan is what God's plan is. You know, there is no plan B in walking with God. It's all His plan. I don't. I don't have nothing in this. I have no. I have no say. So, so as we move on to to the next part, we I want to begin to focus on this one scripture here. It said, "So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding." And and that's like it. The, it needs to be underlined. Because there's an emphasis here. There's, there's such the emphasis. Surely we don't need to start again with fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, excuse me, and placing your faith in God. You know, uh, some of you have heard, uh, heard me make many references about repentance. Today we will see in Scripture about what God has to say and what He shows about repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metaniae. And it is defined as to have a change of mind. You went a little too far, but you can leave it there. To move from evil to good or from good to better. I have thought about it many times. How many times I've changed my mind. You know, how many times have we changed our mind about things? But did it, did it really change in our heart because we began to reflect back again about what we had thought about before we had changed our mind? You see, it starts here, but where does it have to be before it actually becomes a change? It's in your heart. So as we move on to what I have come up with as a definition for me, now this is what the Lord speaks to me, but I also want to place this very same definition in your heart. And it's this, repentance is to have a change of heart that is reflected or manifested by the way we live. Well, what does manifest mean? Outward evidence. An outward evidence. If you begin to read in the book of John, you know, when, when John the Baptist was out baptizing people, when the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you see, it's sad, you see. I, I'm working on my jokes, you know, help me out here. But, you know, as they came to see him, as they come to see what he was doing, because what was happening here, something different was taking place. You see, and when something different begins to take place, when Jesus is getting ready to show up on the scene, then we begin to see repentance is going to begin to take place. You see, and I believe that we're moving into a season. You know, we're hearing about revivals breaking out. But as me and my dad spoke about last week, you know, that he spoke up and he said, he said, son, we hear about revivals, but we really don't know what revival is. We really don't because revive just means to revive something. You know, revival is for those that are lukewarm. If, if we are walking in revival every day, then we're staying revived. Revival within four walls is for people that have lacked in their walk with God. You see, but revival stays right here. It's before our eyes every day. It's in our hearts. It's in what we do. It's in what we say. As, as we look through throughout the Bible, we, we have many examples we have many, many showings or many listings about repentance. And you know, when you hear about the word repentance 
a lot, especially in the New Testament. But you see, God didn't do nothing new here. God has, is something that He's already done. You just have to look at it as something different. You, when I was growing up, we used the word, man, you bad, dude, you bad. But the reference of that is like, you're a cool dude. See, when I the reference to you're a cool dude is, man, you're all right with me. And you're all right with me is just simply saying, hey, my brother. It's probably another word that went back a little before me, you my homeboy. But when we, when we begin to look at the translations of these words, the definitions of these words, and the innuendos that they begin to, to lay out before us, is that they come down to a root word. They come down to a root something. So I want to take us all the way back to Genesis. To Genesis. And I want to talk about repentance in the book of Genesis. You know, we've all heard the story about Joseph, the king of dreams. Maybe we've seen the cartoon when we were younger. I don't know. But Joseph was a person that God had given a dream. Not only did he give him a dream, but he gave him multiple dreams. But it always had the same meaning. You see, and, and, and Joseph had went out to his brothers and, and, and he, was, he, was, he was being very boastful about his dream. You see, he was young. He had not quite become mature yet. You see, and, and we can see that in our lives as we have begun to walk with God. You see, and I just I want to stop for just a second. We are the one that dictates how close we walk with God because the book of James says what? You call, you draw close to me and I will draw close to you. So it's, it's up to us. If we're not walking any closer with God, if we're not getting any more revelation from God, it's because we've chosen not to. We have become comfortable in our walk and our relationship with God. When God's called us to so much more, I mean the Creator of heaven and earth has called us to His heart but yet we deny him that. But, and then we got to stand before him one day, knowing that he's called us to that. But yet we have chosen to deny the very thing that he created us for. Why would we ever do that? It's probably because we're selfish. We only think of ourselves. And the list could go on and on and on in reference to that. But we go back and we have Joseph who had a dream and he came to his brother. You see his father, his father was Jacob. And we spoke about Jacob earlier this year. You know, and how Jacob had been touched by God. And since he was touched by God, he no longer had the same walk that he used to have. He walked with a limp. You see, people noticed him by the way that he walked. So people will notice us about the way that we walk. You know, I don't want to refer back to Thursday night, but Thursday night when the young man spoke about, you know, that when, when you know, if we have to tell people that we're a Christian, then we've, we've already lost that part. And that's true. But then the very words that come out of your mouth shows really who you are because Romans chapter 6 tells us that within itself. That whoever you submit your members to is who your master is. It's one that you bow a knee to. So again, this is becoming mature in our walk. Are, are, we, are we still breastfeeding off of our mom when we're 20 years old, when we're 10 years old? You know, we shouldn't be because that's not the way that it was ever intended to be. But we go back to, 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 to Joseph, you know, the king of dreams. He began to brag about his dream before his brothers. 
you know, that one day that they would bow down to him, his, his, his brothers, his father, you know, and, and besides Joseph, Joseph had 10 older brothers, 10. But you know, there was only four brothers that's mentioned. There's only four, four names that's mentioned, Simeon, Reuben, Judea, or Judah, and Benjamin. And then of course we know Joseph. But Joseph had been, Joseph, Joseph began to tell him his dreams and then, and then the brothers saw him coming one day. And Judea and, and, and the brothers, they spoke up and said, hey, let's kill this dude. Let's kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, he had a plan. He said, no, let's throw him in here into this cistern. A cistern is just a well. And this well was empty. His plan was to come back and rescue his brother. But why Reuben had been gone, because he did what he delayed. He didn't really stand up for what was right. You know, we've all been there in that part. And then Judea spoke up and said, hey, instead of his blood being on our hands, let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. Let's sell him into slavery. You know what they sold him for? 30 pieces of silver. You know, you know what's so ironic about that? I mean, let's look at Judas. What did he sell Christ for? It was 30 pieces of silver. You know what, you know what the common price for a slave trade was for? 30 pieces of silver. So you telling me that there was no inflation over that over those thousands of years? There was no inflation on that? But when but when we begin to look at that they sold him into slavery and we know the story and it goes on that 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 Joseph was put in the Potiphar's house and his wife wanted to sleep with him daily and he he denied her the very thing that she wanted. You see the amazing part about that is that we have all of this is written in the book of Genesis but did they have a Bible that they read? They didn't have a Bible that they read because who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses did, and Moses wasn't around yet. So they had no word to refer back to, but what did they have? They had a fear of God. They had a fear. They had a knowing of who He was and how He operated. Do we have that within our lives as well? And we'll, we'll get into that on later down the road. But you know, 13 years later, 13 years later, Joseph was placed as second in command over Egypt. He was right up under Pharaoh. He was right up under Pharaoh. And then they had seven years of feast. And then there would be seven years of famine. And right after the seven years of the feast, you know, they, they built the grain, the, the storehouses, and they began to place their grain in the storehouses. And then what happens? You know, eventually his brothers come and they're wanting to buy some grain because there has been famine in all the land. So when Joseph meets his brothers out there, you see, he recognized who they were. See, he even spoke a different language then. You see, as we mature all up in God, we begin to speak a different language as well. You know, we begin to speak in our heavenly language. We begin to speak with the utterance of tongues. We begin to, to allow the Spirit of God to speak and to pray through us because He said that He knows what we stand in need of. But, but as, as Joseph matured, he, he heard his brothers uh, speaking. 
And, and he looked at his brother and said, hey, y'all are spies. I'm going to throw every one of you into prison. So he threw him into prison. And three days later, man, this is something significant about three days later, 30 pieces of silver. I mean, we, we're beginning to see something unfold here. And then three days later, he went to his brothers, even though they didn't know who he was. And he had already asked them the questions about where are you from? Do you have family? Do you have siblings? And they spoke up and they said, you know, that we, you know, there's 10 of us and we have a younger brother. And we also have another brother that's no longer with us. See, they had a remembrance. Now we're talking about, we're talking about 20 years later. 20 years later, and watching what's taking place and what's unfolding here. Because, because Joseph spoke to him, he said, he said, you know what I'm gonna do? He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release y'all, but we're gonna keep one of you. And when you come back, bring your brother, bring your younger brother with you. You see, and then here's what happens, is they went off, they went all the way back to Jacob while Simeon stayed there in prison. Stay locked up. They went back to the father and began to give him the story and begin to tell him about, about Joseph and how just he was. They said, hey, we got to go back because we got to go get Simeon. But Jacob spoke up and he said, you're not taking my youngest son. You're not taking Benjamin. See, there was something special about Benjamin. You know why? because his youngest son, his baby, had already been taken, so he didn't want to give up his other one. And as time moved on, they went through the grain that they had bought already, and it was time to ante up again. You see, and when they, when they were going to go back, you know, Reuben spoke up. Now Reuben, again, we're seeing the mention of the name Reuben here because Reuben was the oldest brother and he had a plan to rescue Joseph while his brothers weren't looking or while they weren't there. And he spoke up and he said, Father, if I don't come back with Benjamin, you can kill my two sons. You can kill my two sons. And Jacob still refused. So and as time went on, Judea spoke up. See, Judea, he was the one that said, hey, let's sell this dude into slavery and we'll just get rid of him. We won't ever have to worry about him again. But we see when God has a plan for our life, nobody can stand in the way of what God wants to do. Nobody can stand in God's way except for we ourselves. We are the one that says, Lord, you can or you can't do this in my life. You see, in Judea, he spoke up. He said, you know what? I'll place all the responsibility on me and I'll bring Benjamin back. You see, the two brothers began to have a reflection of what they had done wrong. And in the Hebrew, there is not a word for repent, but there is a word for turn. And it's Teshiva. see, their heart had turned from one way to another. They had a change of heart. And the Hebrew for this word is called teshiva. The weight of this word 
Next slide, baby. The weight of this word is to return what is right and what's pure. I think you went too far. Maybe I didn't have it. My apologies. It's to return to innocence. It's to turn back to the original plan of God. The original plan is to live for Him, to consult with Him, to fellowship with Him, and to obey Him. This was what Teshiva means. It means to turn. To turn to what? To turn and face the one who you have wronged. And we've all wronged God. We've all wronged Him. But see, He's calling us back to the original plan. So He's calling us to what? He's calling us to repentance. You see, we can't, we can't move on. We can't mature in our walk with God until we've done what? Until we've repented and we live a life of repentance as we go back to my definition. And it's the, repentance is a change of heart that is manifested by the way that we live. Amen. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not, I'm sorry. Repentance is being sorrowful, but walking. And we talked about that last week when we talked about the missing ingredients. You know, see, Paul said that, that the world has a form of, of, of sorrow, but then God has a way of sorrow. And God's way of sorrow is repentance. Not just a, I'm sorry, or I'll do better. It's to have an about face. Repentance causes us to walk away from pride. It causes us to walk away from resentment. And it causes us to be humble and to surrender our thoughts, our motives, our intentions, and actions to the heart of God. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't an ABC, you know, accept, believe, and confess. When, when did they ever tell us about taking up our cross and following Him? There's so much more to a walk with God than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is walking this way and then turn around and going this way. No longer looking back at what you used to do. See, Paul also said, he said, when I became a man, I did what? I put away childish things. You see, God has called us to maturity. Why aren't we maturing? Because we've not gone back to these basics. We've got to have these basics here. So this is the type of repentance that the writer of Hebrew was preaching about, was to make that turn to turn from one way to another, to have that change of heart. You see, John spoke about this, and I think I might have mentioned already in Matthew 3 and 8, he said, he said, prove by the way that you live that you have repented from your sins and turned to God. So he was talking to the scribes, the Pharisees, and then my little joke, the sad, you see. You see, they were sad because they thought they were right, but the reality is, is, that, is that they were wrong. 
Repentance is a proof. It is a proof. It's no longer doing what we used to do. It is now doing it God's way. We're going back to the original plan. And I know we're talking about a lot of fundamentals, a lot of basics here. But like I said, we can't move forward until we cover these basics. You know, the next essential part of this foundation that was mentioned was faith towards God. You know, and most of us are familiar with Hebrews 11 and 1, right? Because it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's what faith is. So faith isn't something that we see. It's something that we what? That we believe for. So, so if we're believing that when we've repented, that our sins have been forgiven, it, we walk a different way. So, so, so you know, faith has often, too often been described way too shallow and without the emphasis of its entirety. Let's look at a few synonyms of faith. And you'll find this in your handout. It's, a little, it's got the little bullets there. So a synonym is what? Does anybody know what a synonym is? A word that carries the same meaning, carries the same weight. So, so you could associate this very same word just like we did with the word key for this series as a fundamental foundation, a key principle, the basics. So, so here are some of the synonyms that you'll find in your handout. Here's what faith is. The act of assurance of confirmation. A spiritual belief that is firmly held. Faith is holiness. Faith is godliness. Faith is to observe, to keep, abide, practice, walk out. Faith is also this, is to respect the reverence of God, the fear of the Lord, as we'll get into this into later series. Not, not later series, but later episodes. And here are some of the anonyms. Anonyms is a word that means the opposite. So sometimes... To best understand what a word is, we have to understand what it doesn't mean. So here's what faith doesn't mean. Faith is not associated with disobedience. It's the opposite. A violation, unbelief, apostasy, which is a departure from truth, ungodliness, unholy, hypocrisy, when we look at the word hypocrisy, you know, what, did Jesus not call the scribes and the Pharisees hypocrites, right? So when we look at the word hypocrite, here's what the Greek word means. It means to be a play actor or someone who wears a mask. Someone who pretends to be somebody that they are not. As these two lists can be inexhaustible, we can clearly see the contrast of what faith really is and what faith really isn't. So to bring into more perspective of what faith is, it's more than just believing for something. It is an action that has accompanied our beliefs. Faith is walking out what we believe. And we can see this in another key word that the writer spoke. They said to place our faith in God or to turn to God. This places the perspective of living a holy life and walking in a manner in which we reverence God. Both of these fundamental principles bring us into the newness of life 
that we can so clearly see throughout all of God's Word. So we must address this subject to the point that so many individuals place a title upon themselves but are not filling the role of that title. And I believe that this opening of this series will cause you to check your hearts and take inventory of how we're living out hope. Can we do the music, baby? You can just kind of just place your, 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 your hand out to the side. And I want to get personal here. Just for a moment, if we could. You could just just close your eyes or just be in a posture of reverence for just a few moments you see uh, so often you know when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two what was the very thing that he had them to do tell them to repent and turn to God I mean how much more basic does this fundamental get? But so oftentimes we don't know how to feed ourselves if we're too busy nursing. And I know that the Spirit of the Lord is here this morning because of how He has touched these words and how this message has spoken to you personally. See, ladies and gentlemen, here, here's just a, here's a cold heart truth. Is that one day, we will all stand before God. That is a fact that you can never change. It doesn't matter no, matter, no matter how much that you don't want that to happen or that you do want it to happen. It's going to happen. And when we stand before God, we give an account. In other words, we become responsible for the decision that we have made based off of what He has spoken to our hearts. You see, as we read through Paul's writings that that God already knew that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart and not let the children of Israel go. But God being merciful, the merciful God that He is, He still gave Pharaoh that chance. You see, one day it's going to be that we're going to stand before God. And Jesus, Jesus simply said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into heaven. But only those that will, only those that do the will of my Father. You see, Jesus was simply calling us to action all the way back at the Beatitudes or the Sermon of the Mount. He was calling us to walk this repentance out. He was calling us to walk this faith out. 
And one day, we'll stand before God as judge. See, Jesus even said this. He said that I did not come to judge the world, but the words that I have spoken will judge you on that day. You see, if we already know how that we're going to be judged, if we already know how we're going to take this test or to pass this test, then we have to study the words that He has spoken to us. You see, several months back, the Lord spoke to me and He said, Son, He said, so many of my people are trying to take this test with a closed book. It's an open book test. But they're failing it. And my thought was, Lord, what kind of idiots fail an open book test? the very ones that have become stiff-necked. Those that have hardened their heart. Those that have become comfortable in their walk with God. But just as sure as the sun came up this morning, just as sure as you're breathing air right now, we'll stand before God. And we'll be judged by those very words. You see, when our, our heart quits beating, there's no longer a chance for repentance. Right now, we have the opportunity. You see, in the reality, here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. It's not when today, when you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've offended you. I'm sorry that I've not done what you've called me to do. Repentance is happening tomorrow. It's happening the next day. It's happening next weekend. It's happening next year. only a decision that you can make. Only you can make that decision. You see, the Scripture says that He's not slack concerning His promises. It's a promise that we will stand before Him. Will you carpe the end? Will you seize the moment? Will you seize the day? Will you seize the opportunity to walk out this basic foundation, this fundamental, this key, this key to the kingdom that God has given us? See, because we talked about when we've been, when we've been given a key, we've been given power, we've been given authority. What will you do with it? You're not here by mistake today. You didn't hear these words just by coincidence today. You see, because the Spirit of God has touched these words. He's placed them in your heart. And sometimes we, we can all just think about things that, 
we seen that we didn't want to see. It's, it's things that you can't unsee. And the calling of God, the calling of repentance upon our heart cannot be unheard. It can't be unheard. You might avoid it, but it will never be unheard. Lord, I just thank you today, Lord, that you've came, Lord, today, that you have blessed us, Lord, with your presence, that you have graced us, Lord, with an opportunity. Father, Lord, to come and to repent before you, Lord, this day. Lord, that you've opened up the scriptures and you showed us, Lord, all the way from the very beginning of how two brothers had made the turn and they faced the very one that they had wronged to go back to the original plan of God. Help us, Lord, in these decisions that we make. Lord, that as we face you, knowing the difference between what is right and wrong, between what's right and what's almost right. We bless you, Lord. Lord, that this word will forever be upon our heart. Bless us in our parting of ways today. Be with us. Keep us safe, Lord. We bless your name and we praise you for it. Because we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.